All right, uh, go ahead, have a seat. Usher's going to come forward. Let's give out of how God has given us. It's all from him. It's all for him. If you're here for the first, second, or third time, Greg talked about the card, and you can do exactly what he said as you head out today. Uh, when you get to the circle area, uh, drop that card off because we have a gift for you. Thank you so much for being here. Today, we finish our six-week six week rampage through uh, the book of 1 Timothy. If you're just joining us, it's a book from an older pastor to a younger pastor in a city where a million things have gone wrong. He's writing to get it fixed. Uh, and we get to jump in and see how that letter applies to us. And what we're going to look at today is perfect timing because this is gift-giving season. We're all going to get stuff. We're all going to give stuff. And every gift that we receive or that we give has a reaction. Some reactions are awesome. Some of them are film-worthy. And we're going to watch a video right now. Let's roll tape. Parents to tell their kids they were going to let them open one present a few weeks early. But instead of a good present, I said... Put something the kids won't like in the box and then upload a video of that to YouTube labeled, Hey Jimmy Kimmel, I gave my kids a terrible present. And a lot of people did do this and um, they did give their kids terrible presents and a lot of the kids surprisingly reacted poorly to that. What is that? Marissa, what do you tell me all the time about my cooking? I love it. You love my cooking, so I made you something. You should appreciate her getting us a present, but I didn't know it would be like that. Yes, a sandwich of mine. I love your cooking when you cook, like, dinners. Like Hot Pockets or about what to get you this year. Well, you didn't do a very good job. Drop the mic. Well, you didn't do a very good job. Like, I love that. That and the Hot Pocket Girl, they win. For the record, I totally agree with the kid who still looks at half of a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and says, I'll eat that. That's always my jam. I love peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. So today we're talking about contentment. We're talking about contentment because there are enough areas in our life that have gone sideways, that they're all captured on film and sent into Jimmy Kimmel, uh, around contentment. We start life as selfish people, and sometimes uh, we can grow away from selfishness, but a lot of times we, we stay there. And this is one of those areas where we stay there. It's contentment. Contentment isn't just us sitting back and saying, I'm going to take whatever comes this year. I'm not going to want anything this whole month. Everything is going to be based, like everything you see, advertising all over the place is based on you wanting stuff and you're just going to say, nope, I just don't want anything this year. No, it's not that. Contentment instead is trusting that God as our provider really does know what's best for us and he wants to pull that 
into our lives. Pull us to that. Bring us to them being the men and women he created us to be. So that's why we're talking about contentment, as contentment does. Because what we're going to look at today is there is action that follows contentment. It's not just contentment for the sake of us feeling like we don't need anything anymore, but instead God using us as his examples, as his witnesses in the world. And the one, one area, one thing right away that we do to fight contentment or that, that we do to, to build into contentment in our lives is that when there's something in our lives that happens that disappoints us, which will happen to everybody, instead of being disappointed, instead of meeting that thing, that person who has disappointed us with judgment, we meet him with mercy. And this is where we are reminded of who Jesus is in our lives. That when we were far from God, God sent Jesus into the world, not to judge the world, as it'll say very clearly in John 3, 17, you can look that up in your Bible, uh, but to save the world through him. From the very beginning of God's interaction with us, there is action that follows mercy. Where we were far from God, we could have been crushed, and instead God sent Jesus in mercy. And for us in our lives, there are going to be times this year where we struggle, or this month, where we struggle with disappointment, where we are disappointed by things. And right away, our heart attitude of mercy is going to lead us into contentment instead of being filled with judgment and rage towards everything that disappoints us. So what is contentment? we got seven things about it, how we can live it out uh, in this month as we go through life. And the first of those is that contentment is a gift from Jesus who loves to give us good things. It's a gift from Jesus who loves to give us good things. And the way that he gave us contentment was by coming as a human, living a perfect life, dying on the cross to bring us into relationship with Jesus. And Paul talks about this, everything that we're going to look at today except for one thing is going to be in 1 Timothy chapter 6. If you have your Bible or your app, you can go there now. And we're going to weave through this passage kind of like you're going through a really, really busy Costco. We're going to start in verse 11 and then go forward a little bit and then back and then forward and all of everything. But I'll tell you what verse it is right before I start reading it quickly. So right now we're starting in 11 and we're going to see right here that contentment is a gift from Jesus. So verse 11 Go, but you, Timothy, are a man of God, so run from all these evil things. Pursue righteousness, as a, righteousness and a godly life, along with faith, love, perseverance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight for the true faith. Hold tightly to the eternal life to which God has called you, which you have confessed so well before many witnesses. And I charge you, before God who gives life to all, and before Christ Jesus, who gave a good testimony before Pontius Pilate, that you obey this command without wavering. Then no one can find fault with you now until our Lord Jesus comes again. So that, that's a lot of stuff he's saying. I want you to continue to tell people about who I am, continue to live a godly life. But it's not just doing for doing's sake. He's not, Paul, the guy who's writing this, isn't just saying you need to do this because this is who you are. Now he's going to give the reason about why we live a content life, why it's a gift from Jesus. Because up to this point, it sounds like a lot of work. 15, for just the right time, when Christ will be revealed from heaven by the blessed and only almighty God, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, he alone can never die. He lives in light so brilliant that no human can approach him. No human eye has ever seen him nor ever will. All glory and power to him forever. Amen. He's saying that's the reason why we can be content, because we love, we worship, we're fueled by, we are known by, we are seen by, we are followed by a God who is one day coming back to make everything right. And this same God saw us when we were far from him, and instead of sending us off to the punishment we deserve, he sent Jesus to invade our lives with mercy. That's why we can be content. 
Paul's writing this from jail. He's not a picture of absolute, like, the easy life. He's writing this from jail, and he's saying that in this, even in difficult situations, you can be content. Because it's not based on us. It's based on who Jesus is. Last week, the guy who was preaching, uh, Tony, he started by telling the story of an old monk who wanted to separate himself from society, like get all the dirt of society off of him so that he could live a godly life. And so he built a really tall tower and lived on top of the tower. And what contentment does is it takes away the tower because we all know that still exists. It might not be a physical tower, but sometimes it's possessions, it's income, it's the size of wheels on your car, it's the zip code and the address of where you live. That's how we separate ourselves from everybody else's problem because our life is just better And God's saying, no, 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 it's not about what you have. It's not how tall your tower is or how it's chrome or whatever. But with Jesus in our lives, we can live in the midst of a messy world. And instead of taking the mess on us, we can shine light and make it clean because contentment is a gift from our Jesus who invaded our lives. He's saying you can get off your tower. And he leads us in that. And secondly, contentment recognizes God as our provider. God is our provider of our income and also of our contentment, which money can never, ever provide. Verse 17, he says, teach those who are rich in this world not to be proud and not to trust in their money, which is so unreliable. Their trust should be in God, who richly gives us all we need for our enjoyment. Man, I love talking about money because money is one of those things that shows us what's going on in our heart and shows shows us who's really in charge of our lives. There, there's some numbers that I love like getting my head around with money, and one of those is the 100, because 100% of what we have is from God. He is our provider. Contentment recognizes God as our provider, and so when we look at the fact that 100% of our money comes from God, it's acknowledging the fact that our employer is not our provider, that our skill and ability is not our provider, that how good we are at work or our willingness to get up every morning and go to work, that's not our provider. God is our provider, because when those things can be wiped away in an instant, God can't because God continues to provide. The second number is 100, or is 10. Because as God provides 100%, we give back 10 right away through tithing, which God tells us to do, which Jesus reinforces and says you should tithe. It's our way of demonstrating to God uh, that we trust him as our provider, that as we give 10 back, he's going to stretch the next 90 to cover everything that we need. So we got 100, we got 10. The next one is that less than symbol because we're going to live on less than what we need. We're going to live below our means so that we can save money because someday our tires are going to go flat and we're going to need to take care of that. Someday something's going to break. And God allows us to build up savings to, to address the needs in our lives. So 100% from him, 10% back to him, less than. We're going to live below our means, recognizing that God is our provider. And contentment reminds us that all of this is from God and it's all for God. If you have little kids in your house, you know how like unnatural contentment is. We didn't have to teach any of our three kids how to say mine, how to be selfish, how to not share. You have to teach them the opposite of that. And so we work on contentment. It is Christmas season. They watch TV. They see horrible commercials about how your parents need to buy you this thing or else you're going to be scared at night. And mom and dad, do you really want your kids to have nightmares? You need to buy them this thing for 20 bucks on Amazon. You need to do this. And so we consistently talk to them about contentment. We pray with them about contentment. We pray for them about contentment. We bring it into our conversations. We give them opportunities to be content, to practice contentment. Gosh, does it have to be so hard to say. 
but we, we lead them in being content. We don't complain about stuff around them, and we try not to be complaining people. I was thinking about it this morning. Like, they're, they're like every other kid, okay? They're going to find things to complain about. You see my kids complaining, it's because they have a pulse. It's not because we've raised them any specific way. It's because they have a pulse. But we've really tried to raise them to not be complainers. That doesn't mean that we say yes to everything they ask for. That also doesn't mean that we say no to everything that they ask for because Jesus didn't need a YouTube, so you don't need it. No, we, we say yes in what's going to be healthy for them, but we really try to raise them to be content and to model that for them, to bring Jesus into the situation, praying for them and blessing them with contentment as we speak blessings over them each night. And thirdly, contentment is the way to peace and rest. Verse 6 told you we're going all over the place in here. Verse 6, yet true godliness with contentment is itself great wealth. After all, we brought nothing with us when he came into the world, and we can't take anything with us when we leave. So if we have enough food and clothing, let us be content. Man, contentment is a blessing from Jesus. It's God's activity and God's power working in our lives to make us nothing like what we see around us. It reminds us that we will only be fulfilled by God because he's the answer. It's not saying that life is going to be empty because there are things, or we're not resigning to the fact that our lives are going to be empty because for all of us, I think there's one area where we shouldn't be content, and that's in our relationship with God. I think in our hearts should always want more of God. We should always have a holy discontentment for each year to grow more in who we are in Jesus, to leave behind old habits and, and to to struggle to leave old lives and to cling on to new ways of following Jesus and having God take over more areas of our life. And even as we are discontent with our old habits and the things that we can't kick, we know that our God is not discontent with us. Contentment is a way to peace and rest because one thing that we know is that when God looks at each and every one of us, even within our disappointment, even within the things that we can't seem to get right, he looks at us as a loving father, as a perfect parent, who sees us trying to get it right and says, that's my son, that's my daughter. They're coming to me. They're denying their self. They're living different from the world. And I'm gonna empower them to do that. And I, I make fun of babies all the time uh, because there are a lot of things they can't do. They're selfish. They don't understand our need for sleep. Uh, they scream and stuff. Uh, but there's one great example of babies in the Bible. Uh, King David is talking in Psalm 131. He says this about babies. He says, I don't concern myself with matters too great or too awesome for me to grasp. Instead, I have calmed and quieted myself like a weaned child who no longer cries for its mother's milk. Yes, like a weaned child is my soul within me. And one of the ways to get little kids to fall asleep is to feed them. One of the ways to get humans to fall, like grown-ups to fall asleep, is to feed them. In grad school, I had a church history class right after lunch. That's like nap time. Church history, lunch, nap time. And, uh, and David is talking about that right here. Like, you fill a little kid up with food, you know what they're going to do? They're going to go to sleep. That baby that's been up since 2 o'clock in the morning last night is now going to finally go to sleep. So you can go to sleep for about five minutes. And then the dog is going to bark, and they're going to wake up. But he's saying contentment is the way to peace with God and peace in life. So how do we do this? The first way is we bring Jesus into the situation. Jesus isn't turned off, scared, doesn't get it, your contentment. Like, he knows you better than you know you. And so when you look at the world and you see everything that you want, that's going to ruin your heart eventually. So what's our option? Is our, what's our alternative? Is we bring Jesus into that. And we pray and ask, God, I want you to teach me contentment. 
There's nothing that we can pray for where Jesus is going to look at us and say, I will never listen to you again. But when we ask Jesus into our lives, into our mess with contentment, we pray and ask Jesus to make us content, to not make us greedy people. Another area specifically around money is you budget. You make a plan for how your money is going to be spent so that you know like what, what things are actually on the table for you. This is a good thing. This is us managing our money and controlling our money so that our money and the love of money doesn't control us. Another thing for all of us is, is self-discipline, especially around finances. It's good for us sometimes to say no to ourselves in tons of different areas. One area, especially this season, is around contentment. It's okay to say no to things uh, because that actually creates, creates an appreciation for what we do have. One big thing, if, if you go on social media and afterwards browsing through everybody's 100% best picture, you are very dissatisfied with things in your life and you're not content, give up social media for the holidays. Everything will be fine and you will find a whole lot more peace than you would otherwise. Fourthly, uh, contentment is a battle against temptation. That's what we just talked about in a little bit. And now Paul lays it out big here. And he's talking about a group of people who's causing a lot of problems. And there's one word in his whole explanation that really brings light and brings understanding to the situation. This is verse 2. Teach these things, Timothy, and encourage everyone to obey them. And some people may contradict our teaching, but, there are, but these are the wholesome teachings of the Lord Jesus Christ. These teachings promote a godly life. Anyone who teaches something different is arrogant and lacks understanding. Such a person has an unhealthy desire to quibble over the meaning of words. This stirs up arguments ending in jealousy, division, slander, and evil suspicions. These people always cause trouble. Their minds are corrupt, and they have turned their backs on the truth. To them, a show of godliness is just a way to become, here's the word that changes everything, wealthy. For them, it's all about the love of money. It's not about trying to find God. It's not about... Sometimes division happens if we're all trying to go in the right direction as an organization. Sometimes there's going to be quibbles that happen. He says, no, this is all trying to become wealthy, trying to, to love money more than we love people. Verse 10, he says more. He says, for the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. And some people craving money have wandered from the true faith and have pierced themselves with many sorrows. And wealth changes everything in that passage. And just like any other temptation, it's something that gets into our lives in one area. And then if it's unchecked, if it's unrepented of, if it's not like kicked out and managed, it's going to work every other area of our life and make it all toxic. And the root, the, the love of money, what he's saying here is the root of all kinds of evil. And we see that happen on the news. We see that happen in other people's lives. There's so much abuse that happens of people as other people are chasing the love of money. Because when money controls the way that we think, the way that we treat people, we're going to treat people poorly. Greed, fear, insecurity around the love of money lead us to treating people poorly. How do we know that? How can we see that? Well, because one of the top causes of divorce every single year has been financial issues, that you start loving money more than you start loving the other person. And so contentment is always a battle against temptation. Number five, contentment frees us to care for others. It's like we said at the beginning, contentment does. It's contentment that doesn't just make us feel better, but it works through us to move us into action and to move us into other people's lives. Verse 20, it says, Timothy, guard your heart 
or guard what God has entrusted to you. Avoid God, godless, foolish discussions around those who oppose you with their so-called knowledge. Some people have wandered from the faith by following such foolishness. May God's grace be with you all. I, I think we see that and we read before when he's talking about the result of these people following the love of money instead. And, and you look at phrases like pierced with many sorrows. Man, that, that's a sad thing to God. God looks at the way that people have followed things apart from him and, and it's brought ruin to their life and he doesn't look at it with an eye that says, you know what, you should have gotten it right the first time, you shouldn't have screwed up. I'm disappointed in you, I'm walking away from you because you messed up. That's not God. Jesus demonstrates this so perfectly before he's about to be killed in a city called Jerusalem. He's up on top of the city, he's looking down on the city and he says, Jerusalem, I wanna gather you, I wanna bring you to me like a mom bird brings her little chicks towards her. I wanna protect you. And these are the people who are just about to kill him because contentment frees us to care for others. It's modeled throughout the Bible that when we're content, when we're peaceful with God, when we're good and we've been redeemed and set free and saved by God, our sins have been forgiven, part of the transition that happens in us is God pushes us out, God uses us to care for others. And when we're content, we're able to do that. It's one of the things I've come to love about Mountain View Sunnyside and the way that we work as a church. Like, we can't control what's going to happen on a Sunday. We can't control who's going to show up. But one thing that we control, can control is, is how we're going to respond to every situation. And so a few months ago, there was a family that showed up and needed some help with groceries. And so one of our people, one of you all, hopped in your car, drove across the street, bought a bunch of stuff at Winco, brought it back, said, here you go. I said, turn in the receipt. I can make sure you get reimbursed. And they said, nope. It's covered. Uh, at our Thanksgiving service, there was somebody who walked a really long ways and food was an issue for them. And so they're carrying home a bunch of food. And that's a really long walk with a whole lot of food. And so one of you guys said, hey, I'll take you home. Don't know where you live. Don't know who you are. Don't know what you have in your pockets. I'll take you home. Uh, like what Greg talked about. Uh, Pastor Greg, about the, the baskets of food that we're going to give away to people in our church community and people in our geographical community. We did that last year, uh, and one of the people who signed up to fill a basket was one of the families that was getting a basket. Like, that doesn't make sense, except that contentment frees us to care for others, even if it's going to be something that's a big sacrifice for us. And so we took their basket, and then we gave them another one because... Like, it would just be way too easy than just to call them and say, hey, keep your stuff, because that's rude. Uh, but that's, this is, this is your church. These are the people that we are, is that our contentment, the love that God has showered over us, doesn't just look at us and say, you know, okay, good, I'm glad where I'm safe. I'm glad that I'm good with God. Everybody else, good luck with life. But it says, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be moved into action. My contentment isn't just going to stay out there. It's going to do. It's going to have an impact. It's going to have an effect. Man, we, we might not be the church that has it all, but what we do have is an appreciation for what God has given us, and we want to help other people. And one of the fun conversations, there's tons of stuff that happens in reorganizing between services, and so I had to make sure that Pastor Greg knew, do we got to reload those trees in between service because they already got emptied out after first. Uh, that's a great problem for us to have as a church because contentment frees us to care for other people. Sixthly, contentment isn't affected by our net worth, but our willingness to serve others. Verse 18, he says, tell them to use their money to do good. They should be rich in good works and generous to those in need, always being ready to share with others. 
It's not based on our net worth, but our willingness to serve. And we see that because in that verse, he lists off three things that are almost totally free that we can be rich in. One of them is doing good deeds. Sometimes good deeds cost money. Sometimes they're free. Another thing is sharing with others. Sometimes that's free. That's something we can do. Another thing is being generous. And that's an attitude of our heart that looks for opportunities where we can give to others, where we can be generous to others. It doesn't matter how much your take-home is if you're living in fear around the love of money and you're not doing anything to help others. This is a challenge for all of us to say, okay, where in our lives can we do what it says? Can we be rich in good deeds? Can we be rich in being generous and be rich in our ability to share with others? Sometimes it's around finances. Sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's just being a nice person. But contentment frees us to do that. And lastly, contentment empowers us to make Jesus look good. Verse 19. By doing this, those three things, uh, rich in good deeds, sharing with others, and being generous, by doing this, you will be storing up treasure as a good foundation for the future so that they may experience true life. And contentment empowers us to make Jesus look good. And through being rich in good works and generosity and sharing, we're, we're putting skin on God's love for us. We're putting skin on God's generosity which saw us as far from him. And so what did he do? He didn't give us a list of things to do. He gave his son to come into the world, to die on the cross for our sins, to bring us into relationship with him. And contentment empowers us to make Jesus look good. That's one of the blessings that we have as Christians is we get to live that out. And in a season where businesses are counting on, and there's a whole system counting on us not being content, we get to live out the contentment that we have in Jesus. The Jesus who came for us when we were far from God. The Jesus who took on all of our sin, took on all of our need, and gives us everything that we need as our perfect Heavenly Father provider and listens to us when we need miracles, when we need his provision. Because this is also a season of God doing miracles and God providing for us what we can never provide for ourselves. Let's stand and pray.